This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, and it's Friday, and I am here with Scott Eklund, uh, recruiting editor, obviously, for Dogman, and so you know we're going to be talking a little bit about recruiting. It's been a while since we did a uh, did a little pod here, but with all the camps and stuff going on, we wanted to recap and you know talk to you guys a little bit about what, what's been going on, and obviously people have been curious of, you know who's going to end up at some of these rising stars camps and you know why some of the changes why are they doing all these camps now in late july or mid-july and you know because usually by the fourth of july almost every coaching staff in america is like we want the whole month of july off so that we can get uh, ready for august obviously but scott just first of all just tell me a little bit about um kind of how the camp schedule has been kind of changing a little bit, especially with some of the new NCAA rules that have gone on? Well, you know, you kind of just hit the nail on the head, Chris, because they have basically two two-week windows that they can hold camps on campus, and then they have a 10-day window where the coaches can go to all these different satellite camps and things like that. So Washington has maxed out their ability to go to all these different camps. They're out in Hawaii. They were in Utah just yesterday um, at the All-Poly Camp. They, they've they done camps in uh, California. They did one down in uh, Texas. Yep. So they've been kind of all over the place. And Washington has gotten a chance to really view a lot of these kids that are outside of the region, if you count Texas, uh, but then also in our, I say our, uh, Washington's um, footprint of where they have, uh, I I hate to say it, but like a sphere of influence in everything like that, where the vast majority of their their, uh, alumni are and everything like that. So that being said, Washington um, has really branched out and gone out to Texas. That was the big change this year, I think, was going out to Texas. They still haven't done one in Arizona, which is a bit surprising to me, but they've done, they did three or four in California. They did one in Hawaii. They did one in Utah and one in Texas. So they've kind of branched out all over the country, uh, at least from west of the Mississippi. And I was going to say too, I think it's a good, it's a good deal that the NCAA allowed the coaches to do more of these satellite camps. These are really great opportunities for kids that that don't have the money and resources to kind of what I have always called going on the world tour. You know, you do a day, let's say you do a day at Washington, then Washington State, then Oregon, Oregon State, Boise State, Idaho, Montana. You, you can go to all these different places and do all these different things based on how you're being recruited. But it's so much easier to go to one of these satellite camps and now all of a sudden be seen by four or five different staffs at once. Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't have to go travel. You don't have to spend a lot of money on airfare and hotels and some of these other things, too. So it does help a kid get some exposure that doesn't necessarily have a lot of uh, financial wherewithal. And that is another change that I didn't mention originally, Chris, because um, before, satellite camps were typically just one school. At, like the University of Washington working it out with the University of Redlands to be on the campus at the University of Redlands camp, the Redlands coaches and the Washington coaches working together, but getting to see all these different kids. What, the change now has been more schools are being involved in these camps. So Utah, Oregon State, San Jose State, San Diego State were all at some of these camps that Washington was coaching at. So, um, and then today uh, and yesterday at the Husky uh, quarterback camp, the University of Nebraska was here. Uh, Hawaii has been here to, to work with quarterbacks as well. So, uh, lots of different mixing and matching of, of coaching staffs. I know Washington and I think TCU. We're at the uh, Texas A&M Commerce Camp that they did. Uh, the All Poly Camp had every coach 
it basically in the west coast and i think even michigan was there i think that clemson actually came out and went to it so lots of schools were at that camp now before we dig deeper into you know kind of what's been going on the last couple days with the rising stars camp and just just to let people know these rising stars camps are have been a little different than maybe some of the ones that you may have anticipated in the past the ones that started with steve sarkeesian and were a lot more high profile those are not going to happen until july yes um these are a little bit more more local, locally based, and what have you. But you know, you you spoke about the All Poly Camp, Scott. Tell people a little bit about what you've learned in regards to speaking of All Poly, um, Jordan Lolohea. There's, it looks like there's some news on Jordan. Yeah, well, I'm, I guess it isn't really news. Um, I think there was just a bad interpretation, and I might have been one of the people that. Well, I definitely was one of the people who uh, didn't understand the rule. But um, the, what used to happen back in the old days was that. Uh, Mormon kid, an LDS uh, prospect, would go on his mission and come back and be recruitable. Well, we believe that loophole had been changed. But according to the... I talked to a couple different people. One was emphatic last night that that rule has not changed. That when a player goes on his two-year mission right out of high school, um, his... uh, As long as he doesn't play anywhere within the first year... And they shouldn't because an LDS mission is two years. Right. But as long as they don't play within two, anywhere within that first year, they uh, their and uh, letter of intent is null and void. And so basically, they're re-recruitable again. So Jordan Lolohea is going on his mission. I have confirmed that he is going on his mission with somebody uh, close to his recruitment. So um, that being said, Jordan Lolohea will be recruitable again once he returns from his mission. So it makes sense that the main reason why Lolohea signed in the first place, because obviously that's the natural question you'd mm-hmm. ask, is that I think he was a little unsure as to what mm-hmm. he wanted to do, wanted to keep his options open in case he wanted to show up on campus for the leap, which is going to start next week. Mm-hmm. And he decided he's going to go ahead and serve his two-year mission right out of high school. So that does mean that Washington is going to have to go back and kind of re-recruit him. That being said, they've got to be considered in the driver's seat. They were the ones that got his signature the first time. Hopefully, if you're a Washington fan, you got to think, well, hopefully nothing's changed since then. And But a lot, lot's going to change in his life, mm-hmm. not just going to serve, but it's going to, you know, where do you serve? How is the nutrition? How is the, can he work out still? There's so many questions that are going to have to be asked uh, during this time frame. And he's not exactly a small kid. I think mm-hmm. when he signed, he was about, what, about 250? Yeah. Six three two fifty. Yeah. yeah, so he's you know it, it, a lot's going to depend. I mean, he could go s- serve his LDS mission in, in in Nebraska, or he could go to a third world country mm-hmm. somewhere. You just don't know. Uh, so until he finds that out, um, you know, there's still going to be some some uncertainty there as well. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it is interesting to note that that. We thought that was probably going to happen, that he was going to go serve, and now it sounds like it's going to be official. So uh, don't expect Jordan Lolohea to be on uh, be on campus next week. But it, but I would think that Unless he'd be the only... something really weird happened, right. and the person who absolutely should know that what's happening with him right. was wrong. I mean, so yeah. I guess we shouldn't say he definitely won't be there. But, right. but he's the only sure one that we're... He's the only one we feel very confident about that's not going to be there. Yeah, because there were a couple guys with some grade concerns, but it sounds like everything's been worked out. It's sounds like Kate Otten is not going to gray shirt, which was what we thought was possibly going to happen. Uh, Ali, Ali Gay 
had talked about possibly gray shirting. Um, was his d- due to an injury? Was that what? Yeah, I yeah, what that was, was yeah. mainly due to injury yeah. for sure. And I don't know if I don't know if he's going to be on campus or not. When I talked to him last month, he still it still made it seem like gray shirting was probably going to happen. Mm-hmm. So who knows that he may be the only other yeah, one. Yeah, that, that that would be the only other one really right. that we know of. But Kate Otten is not gray shirting. He is going to enroll uh, this this coming weekend actually. So. Um, you know, the the whole class is, should be getting in that we're aware of, of all the guys who are supposed to show up. Uh, Ollie Gay is the only one that we're still kind of tentative on, not not sure whether he's going to gray shirt or not, but he has qualified from a, a, a academic standpoint. Right. And so this, again, these, going back to the, the Rising Stars camps that were Thursday, Friday, quarterbacks, and then now it'll be quarterbacks and all the skill players, basically everybody but linemen uh-huh. for these two camps. Um this is one of the more the locally based ones where you know they're going to start looking at younger and younger and younger kids kind of grooming them up and bringing them into the into the you know so-called husky family and just try to kind of get them uh kind of in tune with what's going on on campus and and what's going on at husky stadium and kind of learning the ropes um that being said there are a few prospects that we are aware of that are on campus that might be on the lookout for some scholarship offers who are those guys yeah the two the two got well there's really three that i think are possibilities of getting on an offer dj rogers the 2020 kid out of Eastside catholic now he's not out of stater obviously but he's a big time prospect and i think they just want to get some chance to work with him right and there's a very good chance he could get an he could see an offer here coming out of the camp but the two that really you need to offer them soon if you're going to offer them. They're they're both guys with close to ten offers. Uh, they're both defensive backs. I think one is a safety prospect and one is a corner prospect. The first one is from Long Beach uh, Poly uh, down in California, Tyreek LaBeouf. Uh He's a six three hundred ninety pound cornerback. Okay, um, kind of in the Kevin. King mold, yeah. maybe not as thin because Kevin King was pretty skinny. Right, he was about one sixty. Yeah, when he in. showed up, yeah. but but kind of in that same mold. Okay. And then the other uh, guy is Dominique Hampton out of Chandler High School down in uh, Peoria, Arizona. Okay. He's a six two hundred eighty pound, and and they've got him projected as a safety or a corner. I think he's kind of that nickel corner Buddha Baker type right. that that could play corner or safety depending on what you're looking for. Neither of those guys have offers from the University of Washington, but their um, recruitment has really blown up this spring. And uh, Leboeuf is actually, according to Brandon Huffman, the top three star guy in the country. Like okay. he's the next one up. Okay. Uh, if if he moved up one spot, he'd be a four star. So basically, so, he's like three hundred. Yeah, yeah, number three hundred one yeah. out of. So he said he's the top uh, three star guy in the country. Okay. So and you know when we talk about the local guys, we're really focusing more on the 2019 2020 classes. Mm-hmm. We t- Nate Kalepo from Rainier Beach is one that we expect to be there. Uh, DJ Rogers, you know, a handful of Eastside Catholic guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, that are going to be there as well. So it's mostly just for the younger local guys that are really getting work. You said you saw Dylan Morris Thursday night, yeah. mm-hmm. um, kind of doing his thing. Has, has yeah, it much changed with he's Dylan? He's great at camps. You know, I mean, yeah. it, the thing with with Dylan Morris, and I love the kid. I think he's he's got a good mind for football and everything like that. I need to see him do it on the football field. Yeah. Um, and he last year he kind of regressed a little bit from his freshman year, where I thought he was really good for being a freshman. Sophomore year, where you would think he would you know take that next step but really he kind of either leveled off or even maybe took a step back so this fall 
is going to be huge for him right. to see the strides that he's made as a junior. I think one other thing that hurts him is is the conservative play calling that's down at Graham Kapowson. They just they're they're run oriented, eye formation one. And as a quarterback, I personally, as a football fan, love eye formation football. Don't get me wrong, but I think they're just so conservative in their play calling and their their route trees aren't very imaginative. And I think that is something that kind of hurts him a little bit. Gotcha. So I was going to say, um, also, you know, we're doing this on Friday. This is at the same time where the Northwest Elite Camp got rescheduled. It was initially going to be, I think it was last Friday? The second, yeah. Yeah, and or, it was yeah. or two weeks two, two weeks ago, ago Friday, yeah. mm-hmm. and it was going to be at Starfire, where, mm-hmm. where it historically has been for a few years now. <laughs> but um, it had to get moved to a four-year campus, so they decided to do it today, Friday, at Central Washington mm-hmm. University. So that probably did not help attendance much for this particular camp. No, my guess is Washington probably would have had somewhere between 250 and 300 kids, and they're probably going to be lucky to have 150 to 200 kids. Um, You know, part of it is they have two camps. They have the July 14th camp, or the one on the 14th, and then they have this camp. And I think a lot of the kids that signed up for uh, the Northwest Elite Camp decided, oh, I'll just come on the 14th. So that one could have a huge turnout. But a couple guys that uh, we're expecting to be there, Mason Starling out of Rainier Beach yeah. and uh, Josiah Irish uh, out of Mount Side. They're both 2018 wide receivers. Washington is done at receiver, but you never know what could happen in the re- in the recruiting possible game. Possible walk-ons. So, yeah, possible walk-ons. There's always the possibility that I don't think it's going to happen. I don't want people to start panicking, but you don't want to be caught with your hand, you know, with your hands empty right. at the end. So you've you've got to continue to yeah. recruit these guys. I don't think Marquis Spiker is going anywhere. I don't think Austin Osborne is going anywhere. Right. I don't think Trey, or not Trey Lowe, um, Trey Lowe yeah. is, I don't think any of those guys are going anywhere. But if they do go somewhere, you got to have some other guys. You, in you the, have to have been working. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So those guys will be up. Uh, Demetrius Crosby is a really impressive uh, safety prospect out of Foss. Yeah. Uh, he's an athlete in our system, but I think Washington's looking at him as a safety. That's what most people see him as. 6'2", right. 6'3", six, six, 190-pounder. Um, don't be surprised if that kid ends up with an offer from the University of Washington down the road. If Washington misses on some of their top safety prospects, he's a guy to keep an eye on and remember that name. Like you said, Nate, uh, Nate Kalepo, 2019 offensive lineman. Zach Paulson and Chris Penner are two wide receivers from the South Puget Sound, one from Curtis, one from Capitol, um, that, that put up some decent numbers. Uh, Jarrell, uh, Jarrell Anderson, he's not going to see an offer from the University of Washington. He's a tight end. He's at Rainier Beach, but he's another guy who'll be there. And then someone from Lewis and Clark that the coaches are at least giving a look to. Uh, 2019 kid, Xavier Guillory. He's from, like I said, Lewis and Clark. He can play running back, wide receiver, DB, even linebacker if he puts on a little bit of weight. So that's a good segue. Speaking of Lewis and Clark, you're going to be heading over to the eastern side of the mountains here next week. Tell us a little bit about what you got going on there. Yeah, um, this will be my second year over there, but this has been going on for years now. They call it Border League over there, and it's or Border Wars or Border League. I think it's Border League. But basically, it's all of the greater uh, Spokane League, GSL schools, um, get together at Central Valley High School because they have the, the largest amount of fields for them to play on. Right. And they it's a full pads jamboree essentially is what it is they have uh 20 um 
eh, I don't want to say it's 20 teams. It's probably 15 teams um, that get together, and they they do 20-minute segments of offense, defense. They trade off. They do all these different things. Each team gets to do their thing. Last year at this same event, um, when I went over, um, uh, Colson Yankoff, was there for Coeur d'Alene High School. So I said it's all the GSL schools. So it's all the GSL schools plus Coeur d'Alene comes over. Uh, Meridian came over one year, I think, from uh, from Pocatello, I think, is where Meridian is or wherever it is. Okay. Uh, or maybe it's in Boise. And then um, there's a couple Montana teams that also come over. What about Lake City from Coeur d'Alene? Um, Lake City, I think, has been over there before. They weren't yeah. over last year, but I think they've been over before. So And all these teams meet out. And the thing is, the coaches can come out. So last year, David Yost was there from uh, Oregon. Yeah. The the uh, Wazoo coaches were up there. The Eastern coaches, like, um, well, it's so close to Eastern right. that that whole staff showed up. But uh, Montana was there. The, they had a lot of schools. I think Utah State showed up. Right. A lot of schools showed up for it. And uh, so it was a cool, t- it was a chance for me to actually get out and talk to a few coaches, too, which is always fun. You love hearing some of the stories from the road from them. But that was also my first chance to see Devin Culp right. play live. And uh, really an impressive-looking athlete on the hoof, uh, like you like to say, Chris. And, and uh, so that was my first And both of those guys had just committed to Oregon right. at that point in time. I'm the first person that ever did interviews with those guys. Um, I did two video interviews, and now they're both Washington commits. So, yeah. you know, it's it's just kind of funny how things come so full circle on, on things like that. But um, hoping to see oh, – definitely should see Devin tomorrow and hoping to at least run I mean, Tuesday. Or Tuesday, sorry. Uh, hoping to see Devin on Tuesday and hoping to at least see Colson there. I don't know if he'll be doing work because he's still recovering from the meniscus surgery. I was going to say, you know, Washington wasn't there last year, but now that they've got two commits for the 2018 class there, what are the chances you think that a Washington coach I might did, show up? I did ask somebody that, that uh, would know if Washington would be over there, and they said they weren't they weren't thinking that they were coming over, but there is always that possibility. So, um, I don't know. So a lot of it depends on how much time on the road they've used because you can only use a certain amount of days on the road and all those different things. And, um, you know, I think this counts as kind of a satellite camp kind of a thing mm-hmm. that they can be at, even though they're not coaching, but they can go watch and interact with players and all this different stuff. So it, it's just, I, I don't know. I will definitely be reporting if the Husky coaches are there. Right. And then just to let people know at the beginning of July, I think it's like first, second, third, what have you, mm-hmm. the opening's going to be going on. You and I uh, will be there, Scott, as well as Kim Grinnells. And then uh, in the middle of the month, as we were talking about, that will be the main Rising Stars camp for UW. And I think that's that's one of the reasons also for maybe the low turnout yeah. this particular weekend is that I think word gets out that that's the big camp. Well, and that we're going to be at that camp. Yeah, exactly. Because right, right? yeah, no. all the kids want to show off in front of us. As you, right? as you do, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so we'll, we'll wrap this thing up uh, real quick, Scott, now that we've given people an overview of, of kind of w- the way the camps line up and what we're going to be working on. You know, Obviously, it's been a while. Draco Bynum's the last guy that committed to Washington. That seems like a while ago you know, now. It was spring game. Yeah, and that so was that, crazy. That seems like a while ago now. Um, do you do you think anybody's going to pop? I mean, do you feel like anybody, or is it going to be at this? Is it going to be mid July because of this Rising Stars camp, or could you see someone maybe even uh, committing before then? I, I could honestly. I <laughs> it just with the way kids are. If you want me to just say what my prediction is, I think we'll see something by mid to late July. 
I think something will happen. You'll see a player pop. I don't know who it would be. Josiah Bradley out of uh, Arizona, who they're recruiting at linebacker. They, we have him listed as a safety in our database, but he's being recruited at linebacker by Washington. He's a possibility. Um, Richard Newton, the running back out of Palmdale. Um, Washington's put, put a little bit of pressure on him just because, hey, we're going to offer the best running back on the West Coast in Chris Brown. And out of uh, Oceanside, I think, is where he's from. So, um, yeah, so Washington is not standing pat with some of these guys. They're only going to take one running back, possibly two. Um, So, you know, just keep an eye on that. I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Mateo Mele. uh, the the lineman out of Arizona yeah. and uh, ends up popping. I, I think he really loves Washington. I think he really likes Scott Huff, and I think that uh, Washington's definitely in it for uh, him. And I think they've got a good shot at pulling him in. So um, those would kind of be the names, and I've thrown that out on the board before. Those right. are kind of, um, Julius Irvin is another one that's always possible. He's out of St. John Bosco, a safety prospect. I think Washington is really kind of it, it's Washington's uh, board is really in flux right now. I think they're trying to figure out where everything goes with two new coaches. Now, granted, one of them is his position group is done in Matt Lubick, right? But Matt Lubick's also getting you in on guys in Texas yeah. that Washington never really had gotten had a chance at in recent years. Yeah. So now, the defensive line, I, I don't think there's a real set pecking order right now along the defensive line who they'd take. I mean, obviously there's some guys that they're, oh yeah, would take him in a heartbeat, but I don't know if they if they said you could have all of these guys, any one of these guys, but you can only have three of them. Right. I don't know if Washington's completely set yet on who those guys are at, along the defensive line, along the offensive line, because Scott Huff is here. He has a different, I don't know if it's that much of a different philosophy than Chris Strauser, but each guy is different. They're right. going to want different things. They're going to be looking for different things. Maybe Chris Strauser loves a kid that Scott Huff didn't, or well, vice and, versa. And to, be, and to be fair to those coaches, they want to mm-hmm. do their own due mm-hmm. diligence. They're not exactly. just going to take the other coach's word for it mm-hmm. that this guy's what they need. Mm-hmm. They're going to want to make sure that they get a chance to go down during the evaluation periods, go check these guys out, and maybe their situations has changed. Mm-hmm. Maybe their grades have suffered, mm-hmm. or maybe there's something wrong with their transcripts. Or You know, you, you just never, ever or, know. Situations always or change. Like, um, or like uh, Jackson Kirkland, whose grades were not in the greatest shape Early on, Washington recruited him the whole time. He got his grades in great shape, and then they took him. Right, and then so, they offered him. Then yeah. they offered him. So lots of different ways to look at how, how the board is forming and things like that. I don't I don't think any school has a real rigid board. I think it's always in flux, just like an NFL draft board is always in flux. You're always looking at these different things. But I think Washington more so because Chris Peterson is such a deliberate person, because he's he's so methodical in the way he does it, I think a lot of people I I fall fell into this category where I thought, you know, he has his list and he just goes right down. This guy didn't commit to us, cross him off, go to the next one. I don't know if they're that way right now. I think because of the success they had in the last you know, last season going to the playoffs and everything like that, I think it's opened doors for some kids that maybe they didn't have a chance with before. And I think they're trying to figure out what's our pecking order. Who would we take for sure? Who would we offer and then not take, you know, right away 
we we want him to go search things out maybe a little bit more because we, we're more interested in some other guys, but we got to be in it for the you know. Right. I mean, it's just there's so many games that need to be played and so many, um, and I mean the figurative games that need to be played, well, sure. you know, and and so. Um, I, I'm I, I get real interested this time of year because I think this is when things start to hash themselves out when they get to see them live and coach them live. Right. I think that's really the time when the coaches sit down after the Rising Stars camp. So they've done all the satellite camps. They've seen the opening. They've seen these kids. They've done the satellite camps. They've done their two Rising Stars camp, their Dirt Dog camp, their quarterback camp. They sit down and they go through each film and they say this guy is here this guy is here and i think that's when the slotting really happens with the chance maybe you have a 1a 1b and then they look at the first month of their senior season and now they move one up and one down and and you know and all that different stuff so still in flux but i I think by the end by mid-july mid to late july washington will have their board more set up in a, in a more rigid fa- fashion. Yeah, and if like that you, makes sense. And like you said, they'll also have a lot more actual personal intel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on these players. Yep. Not just not just how they are dealing with personally, but they'll have more in terms of their grades, in terms mm-hmm. of how they project out in terms of their transcripts. Or this kid was working in a drill and he didn't get it. And right. it, and how long did it take him to how coachable? Pick up? How coachable are they? Also, hey, this guy got run over by a defensive lineman. He got punched right in the mouth. Right. What did he do? Did he wuss out the rest of the drill? Right. Or did he uh, step it up and come up and say, I want that guy next? That's what they're looking for. Right. All these different things. So many things go into the evaluation of these kids. It's not just watching film. It's not just all the you know all these different things. It's everything combined. I was going to say, too, finishing out, um, you know, we talked about the different rules now with the satellite camps and how that's how that's altered in terms of the, the two different stages where they can have their own camps on campus and what have you. One of the biggest ones, obviously, is this early signing period in mid-December. Mm-hmm. How do you think that's going to affect Washington and especially the way Chris Peterson recruits and, and trying to be as transparent as possible? And then are you surprised that maybe Washington doesn't have more commits because of that? this early because maybe they're trying to get some of these guys to get in the boat early, you know, to try to get some of these guys to get their process done so that they can really kind of maybe, like you said, sometimes it's working on the momentum of Mm -hmm. what they built last year. Mm -hmm. Or is it just too soon for that? Um, I think part of it's too, I mean, honestly, I'm going to be honest with you because I don't know, have they actually implemented, they haven't actually implemented the early signing period yet because does it doesn't one more group body have to vote on it to i mean it's possible, I, it, yeah. everybody says it's going to go through and yeah. i'm sure it probably will but it actually i'm, I'm operating on the yeah. assumption it's going to happen so but the thing is i've talked to several recruits and they're like what are you talking about yeah so they don't even know about the december signing period yet yeah. so and i've and i refer all of them to the espn article on it, how things could change, you know, things like that. So, and most of them are like, "Oh man, I didn't even know about that." So, yeah. it, you know, it's I clear the, the schools aren't necessarily they're not pushing it, it yet. Yeah. But I think part of it's because they don't know if it's going to be in place or not. Yeah. Or maybe they say, "Hey, since this recruiting cycle has already started, we're not going to do it until the next recruiting cycle starts." Yeah. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know if they. They feel comfortable yet in doing that. That being said, let's say it gets put in place and it does happen. I think Washington is more than happy to let things kind of play out at this point and see where things go. Um, I think next year, once the, once they've because 
Peterson is all about preparation. He's all about preparation and doing things his way and in his time and all that different stuff. I don't think Chris Peterson's going to be pushed uh, to offer somebody that he doesn't want to offer. That being said, I think you'll see Washington push for more kids early in the process next year in the 2019 class. You see a lot of 2019 offers going out yeah, in the last few weeks. There's been part a ton of, it, of them. Part of it is because they've gotten a chance to see all these 2019 kids and they've been they because they've they've kind of got their their um their thing plus, you know, guys like Scott uh, Huff and Matt Lubick are bringing in their knowledge of these kids yeah. and and able to to shed some light to the staff, the established staff at the University of Washington, and that's how it all works. I mean, the dynamic—it's so incredible how the dynamics work within a coaching staff, and how each coach brings in their own expertise and knowledge. And this kid is this, and this kid is that, and all this different stuff. It's—it's it's really fascinating. I wish there was a way we could get in there and and f- follow it along, kind of like if you ever read Meat Market. How Bruce, Feldman's, Bruce Feldman's, book. Feldman's book. And if, if you haven't read that, I recommend you go out and get it. It's a great read. That just gives you a little taste. But I'd love for somebody to be in the recruiting section of the, you know, not even with the coaches so much, more with the recruiting uh uh, interns and the the people who gather all the data, the social media people, the the video people, the ones who do all the edits, the um, social media edits that they send out to the kids that the kids love and everything like that. Right. Just all these different things that go into it nowadays that are so different than it used to be. I mean, heck, even when you and I, well, you've been doing it longer than I've been doing it, but I've been doing it 13 years. And even in that 13 years, it has become such a different animal with Twitter, with Facebook, with uh, Snapchat, and all these different things that these kids can use nowadays. And the coaches have to, and the coaching staffs, and the and the you know the all the back end people all have to mold themselves into that. So all that turnaround to say, I think Washington isn't necessarily going to push for a lot this year. And but I will think that if Washington has kids committed to them, they will expect them to sign in December if it, if it does get put in place. And if they don't, Washington's not going to consider them committed. If you're not willing to sign with us right now, then you aren't committed to us. I mean, that's pretty obvious. A lot of people have made that point, and I think it's a good salient point that if you don't sign with us, you're obviously not that committed to us. Right. So um, we're going to move on, you're going to move on, and we'll go from there. Yeah, and again, that also adds credence to the idea that you got to keep recruiting everybody mm-hmm. all the time because mm-hmm. you just never know yep. when something like that might happen. And just to give people just a quick background before we wrap this up, Meat Market by Bruce Feldman, a great book. It's a year in the life of Ed Orgeron when he was the head coach at Old Miss. And it was the a year inside, literally inside their recruiting war room. And it was the same recruiting cycle when Joe McKnight was in Louisiana mm-hmm. and was and was getting heavily recruited by Ole Miss. Obviously, ended up signing with USC. Yep. Late Joe McKnight. Um, so it's it's an excellent excellent That's book. Weird to think. I didn't even think yeah. about the fact that yeah, he passed away. Yeah. Um, so again. Wanted to give you guys a, a kind of a. I know we're running more about a half hour now. There was a lot to go through, though. We, there was a lot to go through. Wanted to make sure you guys got a, a heads up, not only on just what's been going on currently 
with Washington recruiting and the camps going on, but also what's going to be happening in the next few weeks. The, the opening is huge. We'll have podcasts from there for sure, uh, breaking down some of the guys that we see there and uh, and as we go forward into the, the stuff that's going on mid-July, which, I, which is going to be weird for me because the coaches, to a man, were always like, hey, we need that whole month of July to recharge the batteries, get ready for August for fall camp and all that stuff. But it really does underscore how football at the college level at the very high power five level has become 24 7 365 it just doesn't it just well, never stops and i would i would wager to say there's a lot of coaches that when the july oh i'm sure they were not happy none of them were happy and, and, and their family i'm not just saying you dubs coaches i'm saying coaches from all over the country yeah. were probably like really yeah really and guys and their families too yeah so yeah. Uh, that's yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how that breaks down. But again, wanted to give you guys a quick update. Let let you know how things are panning out. What's next on tap for Washington recruiting going forward? So I hope you enjoyed this for Scott Eklund, recruiting editor of Dogman.com. This is Chris Fetters. Go dogs.